0: You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 160. We are in the middle of June of 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Back after a hiatus for various personal reasons liam so much to talk about this week
1: and so much we can't talk about
0: where would you like to start we have some wwe stuff we have a seven star match from (laughs) uh, new japan dominion this past week uh we have chris the chris amon uh (laughs) debacle which like he he didn't shoot himself in the foot by suing CM Punk and Colt Cabana it turns out he shot himself like in the genitals <laughs> <laughs> um he's probably going to lose his job uh thanks to an article that came out on in, on Deadspin this week i guess let's kind of
1: start start uh, somewhat let me do a let's let's do a sandwich here we'll start with funny stuff we'll All do right. the WWE stuff that we hate in the middle and then we'll finish up with mostly very good New Japan stuff.
0: I like it. So funny stuff. CM Punk fought in the UFC last week.
1: <laughs> sure did. Is that what that was?
0: His opponent tickled him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not a joke. His opponent tickled him and the referee had to tell him to knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I bought this thing on pay-per-view. So Punk beat WWE in court. I'm sorry. He beat uh, Dr. Ramon in court who he insists was funding his lawsuit against him was funded by WWA and then he lost in the UFC and then Dr. Amon this week uh because of some court filings that were made public by his own legal team <laughs> they filed a bunch of stuff and they petitioned to have it sealed but for some reason they did not petition to have a document sealed where he admitted to having a sexual relationship with one of his patients in WWE (laughs) at the time that he was treating her. (laughs) And yet his legal team uh, was successful in having that uh, inadmissible as evidence in the trial. However, they did not seal it, and it's public. And when WWE was asked about it by David effing Bixenspan of all people, <laughs> they said, we were not aware of this. We will look into it and determine if any action is necessary. That is not a defense, a PR defense of a company that is standing behind someone 100%. That is the PR defense of a company that was blindsided. What oh, do you, yeah. What do you make of any of this?
1: Uh, it's all very funny. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess we can start with the Amon stuff since that's more recent. Um, or it's technically not. I guess the fight was after that, but it's it's maybe the, the article is a little more recent. Um, from the moment you know, I, I read transcripts of their case, I didn't understand. They, ha- they had nothing really to do with it. I think the jury was who was shaking hands with, with Punk and Cabana <laughs> afterwards. Uh, clearly felt the same way. There was no reason for Cabana to be in that lawsuit other than they sent him a cease and desist and he said no, and they got mad. Um, and it's like, there's no way to prove any damages. There was... There, they, they, had no, they had no case.
0: He kept his job, and his evidence that he was defamed was anonymous comments on Twitter.
1: Yes, he he got some mean tweets from people with very funny names that were read out in a court of law, and uh, Mike C. <laughs> Mike, yeah, Mike C. And uh, I was hoping our pal Dale Moody W would show up in there, but he did not. Um, and. I just, I. <laughs> they had no case. All that ha- all that happened was they they lost embarrassingly. They asked for a ridiculous sum of money in damages, and then they lost. And as a result of this case, all he's got to show for it is yes, he's probably going to lose his job. You, if if you were writing like a dark comedy or something, you could not come up with a <laughs> A darker or in some ways funnier ending than not only does he lose this lawsuit, but it has major ramifications on his professional and personal life and causes him to lose his job. I, it's amazing.
0: It, re- it really is. Amazing, too, that CM Punk got a second professional fight in the UFC. It's really not amazing. We know that they are a bottom-line driven business and they thought that he would sell some pay-per-views this time around because he sold some pay-per-views the first time around. And they felt that if they caught him, he would go and fight for Bellator. And that was a bigger deal 18 months ago probably than it is today. So CM Punk uh, lost 30, 30, 26, 30,
1: 26, 30 26. Is there a um, minimum to what you have to give a guy at the end of a round?
0: No. Now, I think thirty twenty four across the board is the lowest I've ever seen.
1: Like, I'm gonna give it, like he got a, ta- he got an accidental takedown in that first round. And yes, aside from that, it was, it, I mean, and Mike Jackson was obviously angling for, I don't know, a, uh, I don't know, a, some sort of role in television. That's <laughs> yes. Not, that's not a UFC fighter. Um, I don't know. I
0: think he might have been trying to get on the Ultimate Fighter or something if that show continues.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just um I mean, it got to the point where the announcers were openly asking if he had been paid money <laughs> to let it go the distance. Yeah? Um it was I mean, it was hilarious and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was it We was had
0: like, a We had a private conversation offline where I asked you, do you think he trained outside of, you know, the six weeks or eight weeks before each of his two fights? Because I don't know, man. I'm no athlete, but I got to think that if I did something consistently, very regularly, almost daily for four years that I might accidentally look somewhat competent at it.
1: Make you look like you've thrown a punch before? Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's, it, I would guess his training was, like, I imagine he trained real hard for the month or whatever before his first fight, and then he trained real hard, and then he didn't train at all until they announced his next fight, <laughs> and then he trained again for a, another month. That's what it looks like to me.
0: Or or is it, you know, he's 39 years old now and his body is destroyed from uh 15 years of hard professional wrestling.
1: I mean, that's it's uh, only CM Punk can answer that question. Um but yeah, it could be it could be a little bit of both. It could be that he's just not he's not an athlete in a tr- in any kind of traditional sense. Um and he yeah, he basically as as was Revealed in an interview with his trainer, like the day of his first fight, he had had like two weeks of MMA practice when he first came to that gym. He did like a fantasy camp with the Gracies or whatever. Got his got his hoodie that he wore in WWE for the last year he was around, and and that was kind of it apparently. So I don't really know. Like I said, like I said, it looked like a guy. I saw you know they sh- they always have you know the camera backstage in the fighter's dressing room right before the fight starts and yeah. they show him doing like last minute sparring. Yeah. That mo- look, I am not what you would call an athlete, and cons- I think I li- I lift weights pretty well, but I'm not what I would consider an athletic man. But I think if you gave me 30 minutes of practice, I could probably throw punches faster than CM Punk was throwing. Mm. in uh in his last little training session um I don't know man i <laughs> you know, look, he took advantage of an opportunity they took advantage of his uh name value as you mentioned he would have gone and fought for Bellator, you know we saw like you know that that last kimbo slice fight that Bellator put on Bellator really doesn't have any qualms about putting guys in <laughs> in a cage that don't belong there, so you know, if you look at it purely from a business perspective, that's, that's what it was. If you look at it as, hey, this guy, you know, traded on his name value and got to live out, you know, an MMA fantasy camp in front of the whole world, uh, you may not be wrong. If you think he's just a guy who worked really hard, but just was not physically capable of getting better, you might also be right. Um, it, 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 they're in, they're, the truth as always probably lies somewhere in the middle.
0: I'm up, am upset for, for a few reasons. Like I was upset watching his fight on Saturday night. Um, you know, towards the end of the second round, maybe where he was just getting pummeled in the head repeatedly and I'm thinking, dude, you have millions of dollars. Why? <laughs> are you doing this? Why do you think so little of yourself that you think the only way you can make money is to allow yourself to get punched in the face? And then it's like, well, I know it's not really all about that, but I just didn't want to see him get the crap beat out of him because I didn't want to see a guy get the crap beat out of him. But then I, I'm I'm, worried... <laughs> As wrestling fans, I think we are collectively in a very dysfunctional relationship with CM Punk. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, as, in as much as he walked out on us, and yet there's a very vocal minority of the fan base that still chants for him at WWE shows. Bet you're going to
1: some of those chants on Sunday.
0: Yeah. In, yeah. And he... Can't decide whether or not he, he, he will... In one interview, will say he's completely done with pro wrestling. And yet, this week this year, on the biggest independent wrestling weekend of the year, he's going to be doing a t-shirt signing at Pro Wrestling Tees uh, in conjunction with an independent wrestling show. Um, he he kind of talks out of both sides of his mouth. And, you know, if that's a cash grab or something he's doing for income... I don't begrudge him making a living in any way, shape, or form. But to kind of, I don't know, it Just I think it just kind of speaks to the dysfunctional thing that both sides of this relationship with CM Punk and wrestling fans have with each other. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, he has at times, including on his podcast, and in his testimony uh, in his in the lawsuit, has made it very clear that he... He has a very negative view on professional wrestling, not not WWE. He made, it was made very clear that pro wrestling as a whole uh, soured him. As you remember from the podcast, where I think when when he first lawyered up to try to get out of his contract or whatever, uh, WWE's lawyers were saying, "Oh, he just wants out of his contract so he can go to TNA." And and Punk said, "No, I hate professional wrestling. I don't want to go. I don't want to go work for anybody else. I want to go home." Mm-hmm. So. But then, yes, as you mentioned, he does still make some money off of professional wrestling fans, and it is one of the only things he we have video, you know, proof of that he's good at. So, <laughs> um, you know, he he writes comic books as well on the side. Um, so maybe he should lean to that. Maybe he feels like he's not. He's not ready to just do conventions and stuff. Like he doesn't. Maybe he feels like that's an old timer's move, and and he's not done yet. But as far as professions that allow you to have something of a you know a time in the spotlight, um, he's kind of running out of options. Uh,
0: you, you know, the absolute best thing for him would have been to have come in and done like a season of the Ultimate Fighter or something, where they could have at least used him to draw some TV ratings, put him in there with guys that are probably not good enough to make UFC roster, but whatever. And then he would wash out of that and become a commentator. And Joe Rogan wants to work those shows less and less. And whatever you think of Joe Rogan as a human being, he is in lowly. fact,
1: I think lowly of Joe Rogan.
0: That's <laughs> Liam that said that by the way, um, I, and more agnostic on Joe Rogan, but I think the best thing Rogan wants to work less and less, but he is the greatest mixed martial arts commentator on the planet. And, uh, he wants to work just domestic, just domestic pay-per-views. So there's, there's an opening there and, they just hired Jimmy yeah. Smith from Bellator, which kind of fills that spot. Um, they're even including Jimmy Smith on the pay-per-view shows now. Um, so I, to me, I mean, we're going back, you know, four years now or whatever. But to me, the most that would have been the most logical thing would be put him the ultimate, put him on the Ultimate Fighter. He washes out of that, but he becomes yeah. a commentator. He he knows the sport, and he's done a little bit of it, and you know he has he would have some credibility. But now I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean that the way you laid it out makes uh, you know as much sense to me as as anything. Um, clearly. Whatever his strategy was, it, it didn't work. And again, as we said, God knows how much he trained or didn't train or how hard he worked and, and anything. But yeah, I mean, the way you lay that out, he could have, as you mentioned, a, a pretty cushy, easygoing job at this point um, as a commentator. Obviously, he's a great personality. He's a great talker. Um, although he doesn't really seem to want to... <laughs> that was also, the I think, maybe the weird thing. Was they brought him in because he's a great talker, and he didn't talk <laughs> very much to hype up either of his fights, obviously his second fight uh during fight week he was in court, but yeah. uh you know not really on that first fight either he was not uh you know wasn't he wasn't even doing like you know plucky white meat baby face promos he was just kind of you know very calm and respectful and reserved so um yeah I don't know i th- i think I think what you you've laid out probably makes sense and He could have probably had a job there for a long time in that way. And now he's a punchline. Um, So. (laughs) Well, I (laughs) I hope he is satisfied with the effort he put in. I think that's the way I would say it.
0: That makes sense. And now WWE. Gross. Right. It's to me. And the the talk on you know the Wrestling Observer site this week and kind of the the Twitter wrestling crowd and the internet wrestling crowd has been what a, a wide disparity there is in the quality of the product that WWE's been putting out and the quality of the product that New Japan uh, put out specifically this past weekend. And to me, the production values um, WWE has. Tremendous production values, however, sure. however, the product is just b- boring and again, in an offline conversation, we're <laughs> discussing my m- i don 't know what anybody on Raw is fighting for. The oh. universal champion is never on the show, so the main title is not on the show he's not scheduled for any dates, by the way, including SummerSlam at this point he's not confirmed for Summerslam at this point <laughs> uh-huh. so he just he just has the belt. And he's, not, he, and he's not there. So you would think maybe they would push the Intercontinental title as the main thing on the show. But Vince doesn't care about the Intercontinental title. No. So that's not the point. So then you would think, well, maybe, you know, the Raw Women's Champion would be the, the focal point of the show. Well, that's Nia Jax. And Nia Jax, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. She's not Are good. Are
1: you feeling my gimmick of saying something nice and then completely burying someone? Yeah.
0: Sorry, dude.
1: I'm the first one to ever do that.
0: That's true. Uh, it, <laughs> your modesty <one. laughs> is the quality you're most proud of. Um, right. Nia Jax is terrible. And <laughs> she's terrible at every aspect of pro wrestling. She's terrible at the promos, she's terrible at the wrestling. Um, so you, you can't really build the show around her. And every week that Ronda Rousey. Uh, appears on Raw and comes out with Natty Nightheart, God bless her soul. at At like eight thirty seven p.m. Uh, her value diminishes, and then Ric Flair opens his mouth this week and says, "Oh yeah, she's only in for a year, by the way." So F- Fox just threw like a billion dollars at WWE, <laughs> and Ronda Rousey's gonna be gone by the time <laughs> the Fox contract starts. Awesome!
1: That would be hilarious.
0: Uh, SmackDown. So Raw is boring. Uh, I don't know what anybody's fighting for. I don't know what the focus of the show is. I, I don't know. SmackDown, at least there's AJ Styles, but he's in a feud about balls right now. <laughs> and the women's champion, Carmella, I like Carmella as a personality, but she sucks as a wrestler. And they nobody pushes tag teams. And Jeff Hardy's the US champion. And he... <laughs> Doesn't have a driver's license right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with, with WWE right
1: now? Well, uh, as we talked about on our last show before we took a, a much-needed vacation, um, <laughs> they—I think—they feel pretty invincible, and I think they're. Look, I don't want—I don't know anyone on that writing staff personally, so I don't want to accuse them of being a lazy hack. I am not saying. That they're lazy, bad writers. Um, I'm not saying that the people booking the shows are lazy. And You're just... not part of the
0: Fire, fire Road Dog uh, committee?
1: No, because if Road Dog wasn't there, they'd plug in one of Triple H's other friends. <laughs> Billy Gunn would be running Smackdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like The idea that it's Road Dog's fault. It's like you think it was Road Dog's idea to put the title on Jinder Mahal last year?
0: <laughs> Probably not.
1: You think it was Road Dog's idea to do that terrible Face of America gimmick with Kevin Owens? No, I, I'm guessing it wasn't. Just I, a guess.
0: I I swear, if I were Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn, I would quit.
1: <laughs> yes, we mentioned this on the last show. It has been a so the Sami Zayn uh, obstacle course on Raw this week didn't uh, didn't light your world on, world on fire.
0: No. No, it didn't.
1: Yeah. So, um, anyway. Yeah, I think I think they look at their format for their show and they go 15-minute uh, promo, open show, 25-minute match, 10-minute promo, 25-minute match again, filler, 25-minute main event. And they do that for Raw every single week. And... I think they are just maybe perhaps because they don't know who to build the show around because there's no world champion. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that is part of the problem. But um, yeah, to Raw, Raw just feels like a show. There's just a bunch of guys having long matches that mean nothing. And yeah, it
0: really is, really is not letting my, my world on fire every week.
1: I mean, if you look at the talent on that show, too, it's, it's preposterous that this, this show could be boring as often as it is. With, with Kevin Owens, and you've got, you know, you got great wrestlers, you've got strong personalities, you've got you know, main event stars, and it's boring. It is so boring most of the time. And SmackDown has Daniel Bryan is, you know, 2009 indie fans' dream roster, and it's okay most weeks. Like, they have a show with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and Nakamura and all these great wrestlers, and it's okay most weeks. <laughs> That's what they can muster.
0: Yeah. it's It's not good right now. It's not good right now. I am a fan right now. I think the two, uh, my two favorite, obviously, Liam, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm, I'm a Sasha Banks guy. What? Uh, but aside from, obviously, aside from the future Mrs. Money in the Bank, um, I think the best acts on, on Raw right now are the Drifter, Elias, and Seth Rollins, and they're feuding with each other. Um, but Seth Rollins is a, is the cocky, a whole baby face the way they they book all of their baby faces which they don't understand basic human psychology uh, you know, because they t- had
1: gotten him away from that and he was like a great like traditional white meat i love my fans and they love me and together we we're going to conquer the world yeah was, like really fun and different yeah and now he's smashing up guitars and just being a general jerk to everybody again
0: it's, ter- it's so bad. Like what? Dwayne Johnson <laughs> and, and Steve Austin might have ruined this business forever. Between Dwayne Johnson's charisma as a cocky baby face and Steve Austin's what chant, um, they may have ruined this business forever.
1: <laughs> the, the years 1997 to 2001 as a whole were, were not a net gain. For professional <laughs> wrestling in North America.
0: <laughs> That's true. Japanese wrestling, however, is undergoing a bit of a renaissance right now. And New Japan clearly is looking to expand globally as they put their uh t- two top singles championships on Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho this past weekend at Dominion. <laughs> Chris Jericho, crazed brawler, uh has reinvented himself yet again.
1: He wears and... a Pandora now.
0: <laughs> He's changed too. He wears eyeshadow now. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think of the Dominion show? Obviously, I, I covered the show live for WrestlingObserver.com, and I think the main event is the greatest match I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> and as I tweeted after the show, actually, it's probably the tweet I've gotten the best response for ever in my entire life. Uh, I said that obviously I think wrestling can be deeply personal sometimes and there are matches that personally mean more to me than that match did but as far as performance art being executed at the highest possible level I think that Kenny Omega and Okada put on the greatest match I've ever seen this past weekend Uh, what do you think what do you think of the show What what do you think of the you know The famed seven-star main event. And what do you think about New Japan expanding globally with Omega and Jericho as kind of the the faces of that?
1: Uh, It's interesting because I heard a lot of people for, I would say, over the last year, really probably when they first started doing the, uh, when they first announced the first uh, Long Beach show last year. Where people, like smart people in wrestling, like if you're going to expand to America, Kenny Omega's got to be the champion. Like you gotta, you gotta have him be the champion. Now, generally, I look at that and think that's sort of the same mindset that WWE had when they made Jinder Mahal their champion. <laughs> in that, uh, people, if you were if you were in India and have the means to be a customer or a a patron of WWE there, you're probably a fan of the same people that are put people that are pushed on TV. So there, and uh, you know, I, I read testimonies from people in India who said that, um, you know, Brian Alvarez got some got some feedback. I remember him talking about it at the time, saying, "Yeah, we like we like the guys who are pushed. We like Roman Reigns. We like John Cena. We like Triple H. Um, we like them so much. They put him, They put Triple H over Ginger on that India tour. <laughs> um,
0: it's remarkable.
1: Beautiful son of a bitch. Um, he's
0: so incredible, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's a, he's great." Um, and uh, so I, I didn't necessarily think, oh, well, you're trying to expand into North America. Kenny Omega needs to be the world champion. You need Jericho. It's like people that are fans of your product and are passionate about your pro- product are going to be fans of what you put forward. They've spent the last two years uh, telling you and showing you that Kazuchika Okada is the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion there's ever been. And so I didn't, I didn't go into that match thinking, well, Kenny's got to win here. Cause they have those North America shows coming up and you know, they, they he's got to win the title here. So at the end of it, it kind of felt a little bit to me like the end of Hogan warrior Ooh. where you're supposed to be looking at the celebration in the ring, but your eyes are kind of drawn to the guy who lost. Mm-hmm. That's for me. Now I, I'm a big. I like Kenny Omega. I like the Young Bucks. I'm a big fan of the story that they told. Which, by the way, we talk about lazy storytelling in WWE. This this Kenny Omega story has been going for for years. I mean, it's a, it's it was the culmination of you know everything from Kenny turning on AJ Styles and moving up to heavyweight, to winning the G One, to the three matches with Okada, to the beginnings of the feud with Cody, to the Golden Lovers reuniting. All It all culminated in one moment. As a story, it was about as close to perfect as I can imagine. So, and I'm certainly not upset that Kenny Omega won the title, but to me, I was thinking at the end, man, we just saw the end of the greatest heavyweight title reign in (laughs) maybe in wrestling history, certainly of the last uh, couple of decades, I think. So I think I was more struck by the the end of, of Okada's chapter than I was at the beginning of Omega's reign, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's
0: totally fair. It's not a, a take that I've heard yet. I like
1: that. Um, and it's, uh, I was talking with our, with our friend Josiah on Twitter. Seeing Kenny with that belt, it's a little bit like seeing somebody besides Ric Flair with the big gold belt. just, <laughs> just doesn't look right. It's like he's got Okada's belt on his shoulder. Now, as you and I had talked about, the only option if you were going to keep that title on Okada for them I think would have been, you gotta build up like six or seven new guys for Okada to fight, cause he's run through everybody three or four times already. So I totally understand and accept Kenny winning the title, but yeah, I, I think my takeaway, which sort of surprised me I think a little bit, was that I was more struck by, this is the end of Okada's reign even more so as much as I enjoyed the Omega and Bucks stuff after the match, you know, as great of a match as it was, you know, as the stories that they, they told, you know, kind of the three matches within the one match and, you know, the callbacks to their previous matches, the, you know, calling back to, you know, Coda being there with him instead of the young bucks. They, you know, they made a point of mentioning, uh, I want to give a shout out to, uh, the first time in like years that I've praised English commentators, uh, Kevin Kelly and, uh, Don Callis, I thought were excellent, uh, calling that main event and reminding you of things when they did a callback, so you don't have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of every single moment of every single you know of these three hour long matches uh, that came before it. I thought they did an excellent job. Um, so it's I mean it's it's as close to perfect as possible. But uh, yeah, I I guess they feel as they're they're going to try to expand a little more into North America that they want big stars and specifically two, uh, two boys from Winnipeg are holding their top two titles
0: What do you think of this Jedi mind trick that, that Jericho has played on Crazy Old Vince where he's working for New Japan but he won't work any shows in the United States as if that matters in a, in a world where there's a global streaming service <laughs>
1: I think Jericho's really smart. <laughs> and I think Vince McMahon is an old man. <laughs> and I think that, that's kind of it. Um, and I thought it was also interesting, Jericho, in, that, in the interview he gave where he explained that he felt like it would be a slap in the face to Vince, he also made a point of mentioning it's also because nobody in the United States besides WWE is going to pay me what I think, you know, what I want. Yep. Uh, so he's like, so Japan doesn't, you know, New Japan's not going to bring him in you know, on a six-figure uh, six payday or, you know, Evolve or something isn't going to bring him in and pay him six figures for, you know, one or two shots. So I thought as much as people pointed to the, oh, he doesn't want to wrestle in the States out of respect to Vince, it's like to me the more interesting or the more poignant line was the next line where he said, I don't want to cheapen my brand and if I work U.S. Indies, I will have to charge way less. <laughs>
0: Yeah, sometimes I think Jericho gets a couple of uh, drinks in him and says too much. I think really that's a, that's a what? theme. It's a theme of a lot of his books. Actually, is that yeah. he has a major alcohol problem and doesn't know, doesn't know it.
1: There's a great story in his second book where he gets in a fight with former Orioles pitcher Scott Erickson. <laughs> I just I I've never had an occasion to bring that story up, but I just I forgot. We're, we're a Maryland-based podcast, so.
0: I'd forgotten about that until you until you mentioned it.
1: The, the completely random story of him getting in a fight with the second best Oriole pitcher of of the late nineties. Yeah, uh, it's <sighs> stuck with me. But yeah, there's plenty of that in his, in his in his in his apparently his two most recent books as well. And yeah, you you might be right, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Chris Jericho, forty seven is he now? At least forty eight, maybe. Um, but yeah, he's. He's the Intercontinental Champion. They're apparently going to do him and Evil. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, Did you I like
0: you I know? like Evil, man. I, he, he's, he's really good at it. I like Evil.
1: I like him as a tag guy. I feel, although I think in the long run, I see Money in Sonata as like a top guy. Oh,
0: Sonata's great.
1: And so I think in the long run, maybe it would be good for Evil to move into that like never open weight parade of guys with goto and ugh, i'm not gonna say who the current champion is but just know he's not a good person um
0: can, can we just throw the never open weight title into the sea of japan perhaps while it's around its current title holders waist
1: <laughs> i'd uh, i'd be okay with that i i see no value in that belt um and clearly they don't either because look who's on um, but yes, overall a very good show. The Young Bucks are—they're big now. They won the heavyweight titles for the first time, mm. and uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 easy as we've mentioned in the past to really get bogged down if you watched a lot of WWE. So having this this thing off to the side uh, that is fun and athletic and different and doesn't make you feel stupid for watching it. Uh, it's nice. And uh, speaking of that, you saw a man dressed like a dinosaur wrestle this week.
0: I did. Check out the Lionsgate Project show on uh, New Japan World, the Gate Project 13 show, to see Manabu Nakanishi offer a man in a, dragon, in a dinosaur costume uh, a handshake. And then the dinosaur turns around and offers him his tail instead. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Yes. Manabu Nakanishi, though, I never need to see Russell again. Fair enough. He's 51 years old, um, and he looks every bit of it. <laughs> um, Those
1: guys, uh, maybe they can just stay in that, that New Japan Rumble, come out once a year. and, and then
0: Yeah. Can... I think I think he's at that stage now. Tenzan is at that stage now. Uh, Goto can still go. Um, Nagata can still go. I think Kojima's hurt right now. Kojima's hit or miss. Um, Tanahashi can pretty much still go. Yeah, but now we're just now I'm just naming wrestlers. <laughs> We've reached that point of the show. So so on the uh, things that we can't talk about this week, I'm not going to talk about how I'm watching old WCW from 1990, 1991, and 1992. <laughs> and how the Steiner Brothers are awesome, and how American Alpha should be the 2018 version of the Steiner Brothers. Uh, Is there anything else that you do not want to talk about?
1: I am certainly not going to talk about Corey Graves being a giant (sighs) bee on Twitter uh, after CM Punk's fight, nor am I going to talk about Ricochet and Leo Rush having a Twitter beef which may may or may not be some sort of lame worked angle. Um, definitely not going to talk about that. Nor will I spend five minutes talking about how Twitter beefs are lame and how Twitter. Can you imagine if Twitter was around in like nineteen ninety
0: eight? No, it would have been. Can you imagine like during would like a Flair
1: Bischoff lawsuit, or I don't know, like an O three when Austin walked out, O two whenever that was. Yeah, or you know Hogan and Russo and Bischoff and their weird lawsuit, or like any of that stuff. Like, can you just imagine?
0: First of all, can you just imagine the the, the photos and stuff that would have oh. been th- that from like wrestlers at strip clubs, or you know, worse.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe uh, good, fortunate for some of those men that the uh, Me Too movement didn't start until a little more recently.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that's. That's totally a real thing.
1: We got a little weird, but again, we are not talking about that.
0: That's right. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, the fact that I really want to try to like Corey Graves so badly. And I try to stick up for him on this show and he just makes it impossible to defend him. (laughs) And I'm not going to talk about how badly I want Charlie Caruso to be good at her job and how I think she has it somewhere inside of her. And yet, WWE has just beaten the charisma out of her. <laughs> and uh we're not going to talk about uh how ca- why Kathy Kelly is only occasionally on television and uh yeah. We're not,
1: not going to talk about Kathy Kelly perhaps being an angel. Um-
0: <laughs> no, we're not going to discuss that. Well, All right.
1: So we do need to discuss? I guess, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of pay-per-views this weekend.
0: Oh, yeah, TakeOver and Money in the Bank. Uh, Gargano and Ciampa, you got you had a poll that you wanted to get, too.
1: Yeah, uh, so for that poll, I just asked a simple question. Are you more, less, or the same amount of excited that you were for their first match? And uh, the winner of the poll is less excited. Um, I'm kind of tending to agree, because it feels like we're going backwards. It feels like we started with the blow-off match which was, I don't think either you or I liked it quite as much. It was, you know, the second WWE match of the year, second Gargano match of the year to get five stars from, uh, from Dave Meltzer. Only five. But uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't quite as enamored with it as, as maybe some other people were. Um, but it was very, very good, and it had a great finish, and it was, you know, built up to be seemingly a blow off to this, you know, almost year long storyline. And uh, then they just kept feuding. And uh, I think Ciampa's going to win this uh, point being, by the way, yes. As I said, uh, our, our Twitter, our lovely Twitter friends and listener uh, voted as they are less excited. If I didn't already say that, but uh, I don't know. How are you, how are you feeling? I, I feel like we talk about this every time a takeover comes around, we say we're not that excited, but then it comes on and it's, the best show WWE puts on all year. Uh you think we're in for another, you know, instant classic or Yeah, I'm it sure it has a little more labor. I'm
0: right? sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be a blowaway show because they all are. <laughs> I I've not seen a bad takeover yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be great. And I'm actually going to a concert on Sunday night, so I'm not, not going to get to see money in the bank at least live. So to me, this is going to be my, well, and I'm covering New Japan live on uh, it's 5.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, so it's just going to be, but to me, the biggest show of the weekend is takeover and definitely not the never open weight title match. that they get to cover on Sunday morning at 5.30 AM. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm missing money in the bank. So
1: sounds like a good weekend for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the show is going to be, it's going to be very good. And I think the mat like as, as always, I'm sure the matches will be very good. I think Chompa is going to win this one. I think, uh, friend of half of the show, EC3 is probably getting involved uh, in costing Gargano the match, and hmm. uh, and then maybe uh, Champa will go on and challenge Aleister Black for the title, since they don't really seem to have strong contenders ready for him.
0: So you don't think it's large, large this
1: time? No, I do not. I don't. Like I don't know in a world because they seem very often on the main roster they get one guy and they go, okay, that's the guy who fills that role. We don't need another one. It's like we can't have Cash to Sono on the roster because we already have a fat guy. You know, that's that's how I imagine anyway that they think. You know, we already have a Japanese guy, so Hideo had to go Oof. to the cruiserweights. Um, you know, I just imagine that's how they. think. So I think like Lars is like okay, we already have Braun, who is the the crazy giant monster man who would have made a lot of money with Bruno Sammartino. And so, like, I don't I feel like Lars is going to go up there and he's going to be, if he ever gets called up to the main roster, he's going to be at that Baron Corbin level. Like, he's going to, he'll be protected to an extent because he's big, but they've got their one, like, top giant now that's going to replace Big Show and Kane, and all the other big guys are just going to be, you know, big guys.
0: L- Lars has a Lars has like 20 times the charisma of Corbin though. He at least has that going for him. And I appreciate that he as you uh, put it once uh has taken my Sasha Banks lover gimmick to its logical conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> he's going <laughs> he's not afraid to tweet about her looks on Twitter. Um I-, I think I see I see dollar signs in Lars.
1: You you, uh, you excited to watch him go up to the main roster and lose to a spear? Is that what you're telling me? (sighs) I guess, yeah. What
0: do you think of Baron Corbin's new look?
1: Um, (laughs) Somehow he looks worse.
0: (laughs) Part of it is that he didn't shave his, I guess that's a beard. Um, I don't know. And so the beard was longer than the hair. But
1: (laughs) Kind of looks like he just turned his head upside down.
0: He looks like uh, his, uh, his head... He, he looks like a penis.
1: <laughs> his WWE. head looks like a penis. And uh, as you pointed out to me, we discussed this briefly off the air, not his head, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the idea of him losing his hair. This is about 300th on your list of gripes with WWE, but he couldn't... I don't know. Somebody couldn't have beaten him in like a hair match or something. Like I mean, he just, he just shaved his head for no reason.
0: That's southern. It's too southern wrestling, you know.
1: <laughs> it it would be too entertaining. We we need to have, you know, we need to have Roman and Seth wrestle gender and and partner for twenty five minutes. We have no time for like a three week storyline where like no way Jose or somebody and and Baron have a hair match. And we gotta get his head shave. We didn't have the time.
0: We have to get our be a star videos on too
1: (laughs) oh it's just
0: this this month is a special olympics month Mm. oh
1: that's right i've seen some of the definitely not at all coarse twitter videos that people have been putting up about it no i'm sure i good good luck to the to the
0: (laughs) the talent the talent does a lot of very good work absolutely for all with with all of these charities and you can question the motives of why the company organizes these events but it's still the talent gives their time and i think that's cool
1: yeah no i i I don't i don't think you need to question the motives of of the individual wrestlers here i'm sure they're happy to spend again what they'd uh you know if you know, they could be doing media or, you know, perhaps having some free time or doing other projects. And as you mentioned, they're choosing to uh, spend some time with obviously some kids who have definitely earned a uh, a happy day or two. So, yeah, that's 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 that goes to the, our, our previous discussions of nuance being a thing that doesn't really exist anymore.
0: That's true. Uh, speaking of a, of a kid that, uh, that does not deserve a happy day or two. Uh Kim Jong Un. We just think of, <laughs> of him meeting with WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump and WCW Pay Per View Headliner Dennis Rodman this week. Is every everything is wrestling?
1: Absolutely. There's, there's. Well, that's the thing. There's always some connection, but these are these are pretty overt. Yeah. Um. Well, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> I think being nice with those guys and maybe trying to bring an end to a war that has hurt a lot of people in that region is only going to be a good thing, whether there's any sort of lasting peace or denuclearization or whether or not the people that are currently attempting to broker said peace are the people that are capable of it are all, are all probably topics of debate <laughs> for another day. But, uh, as a whole, it's a very basic first step. And, Doesn't mean that the people, anybody involved is a good guy. Doesn't mean that you need to like that person personally. And it doesn't mean you need to ignore some of the things that Kim Jong Un has done while in power. But I think you can look at this as a, if it's less likely that the world is going to blow up, I think that's a good thing. It's a net positive.
0: Well, we've discussed, <laughs> we discussed <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling, we've discussed WWE, we've discussed NXT TakeOver, we've discussed contemporary global issues <laughs> and geopolitical tensions on the Korean Peninsula.
1: It's all uh, part of what we like to call a free-flowing discussion here
0: on the show. <laughs> that's right. It occasionally touches on mature subjects. Um. Uh, predictions real quick for uh mr and miss slash mrs money in the bank on sunday
1: um i'm trying to think of who i think natty might win money in the bank for the women because i think i think i see them doing something with her and Rhonda, and they're gonna turn natty heel even though she's a terrible heel
2: <laughs> she's
0: she's like perhaps the most likable person on the planet
1: right um and and she's, I could see her winning money in the bank and, and challenging Rhonda. Um, and for the men, it feels like a little bit more of a toss up. Uh, you figure if you know one brand will get one briefcase each. So, uh, I don't know if I picked a raw person to win the women's match, I guess <sighs> out of that SmackDown crew, I guess Joe or Rusev would be, but I don't trust them to ever. Put any sort of faith behind Rusev at this point. I think they built him up to be fed to John Cena and Roman Reigns, and once he was fed to them, he's done, and he's going to be a comedy man for the rest of his life. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go Joe for uh, for men's. Do you have any uh, inclinations?
0: Really, don't have any different thoughts. I like Joe, and it feels like they haven't kind of pushed him back down the card, even after. Um, kind of being done with him at the, at the, at that top level, or, you know, he's, he lost to Brock once he lost to Roman once and they didn't beat him like a drum. So yeah, I could see that. And the women, I don't know. I, I look at the, you know, I guess currently Sasha's still a baby face and I look at Becky, who's a baby face and they're doing promos talking about how they are going to win the briefcase and just think, well, that, you're really going to undercut them if you have them cut these promos with a vow to win the thing and they don't do it.
1: Ethan, one of their favorite things to do is undercut Becky Lynch, though. I know, they it's hate like her. It's their favorite pastime.
0: She's like the greatest babyface in wrestling, and they hate her because she talks funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's not even that she is bad at talking. She's a good babyface promo, and she's funny. Like, they... They think she sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <What? sighs> and Sasha, of course, has the the things going against her, which is that she doesn't look like Charlotte. That's <laughs> that's always gonna hold you back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I for that reason, in fact, actually I, I think Charlotte is gonna win <laughs> uh, the money in the bank. Uh, just because you wouldn't you're not gonna be wrong betting against uh, the blonde woman in the match um, I do think sashas gonna be on the front of the video game this year though
1: oh interesting I hadn't even thought about that obviously but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so no, no, that's no, what... that
1: feels like it's something that's ready to happen
0: yeah I think I think I'm just kind of piecing some things together but that sounds creepy I don't Can we stop stop doing this show now?
1: You know, we didn't play the intros, but boss time just sort of sprung up around us here.
0: (laughs) Too bad. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry about the long hiatus. We had some personal stuff going on, but uh, we're back now, and uh, we'll be back uh, soon. So until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life.
1: Bye-bye.
0: So I realize I never really answered you the other day when you were being polite and asking about the YouTube concert. Yes, they're playing a lot of their new stuff. Uh <laughs> um uh on this, this tour, they're not playing any Joshua Tree songs, with the logic be- being that they toured last year and did the whole Joshua Tree album.
1: Okay, sure. But <laughs>
0: problem is on the list of like greatest albums of all time, it's usually somewhere you know top fifty top hundred whatever you know right
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand if you don't want to pull out the deeper cuts like I'm not asking you to play in God's country, but you know sure uh you know there's, there's a few uh you know of their more well known songs are on that album, so that's a an odd choice yes yes i i I don't know is it it's just time right it's time for them to just play old stuff and and stop <sighs> stop it
0: you know i i there's part of me that's like well if he where i feel like i'm committed <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> i realize all right well i'm going you know i'm going to go to the show i would like to sing along to the songs and so i've listened to the new album a bunch more times in the last week or two, than I have in the previous, you know, seven months it was out or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. some of it's okay, you know. I like um, uh, the fact that I can't think of it is either a testament to sleep deprivation or <laughs> the fact that it's, maybe it's not that great. Um, yeah. What the, 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 the get out of your own way.
1: Okay. Yeah, I like that one's okay (laughs) right it's
0: pretty timely in to me reading about the the stuff by it's bono writing a letter to his and edge's daughters where he's like saying okay things are screwed up in the world right now uh don't disengage it would be easy to disengage with everything uh but don't disengage you gotta fight and uh i can help you but it's your fight and Speaking for a man who, you know, when he calls world leaders, they pick up the phone and probably has a little bit different experience with uh, elected officials than those of us that go to the voting booth every two to four years. And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could see how how that resonates. But. Um, yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot
1: of. Like, uh, I mean, the first uh, radio, the first single uh, best thing about me or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can tell that, again, that's very, like, deeply personal and it's a very sweet song. Yeah. There's nothing, I, I you know, I like it when I, I certainly wouldn't turn it off when, if it comes on the radio or whatever. But yeah, I, there's just, there was just nothing that really, you know, were I, you know, I'm not going to the concert, so I haven't had an incentive to, like, you know, have, memorize it. Right. And and maybe find a deeper appreciation for some of it, you know, other than I heard, you know, listened to it two or three times and then just kind of picked the two or three songs I liked and, and moved on. Yeah.
0: I'm just incapable of not sounding like the creepiest person on earth because I don't realize that, oh, I'm approaching uh, middle age now. It's <laughs> I just think the way I always think. And it's, well, my God, it's like totally fine.
1: The worst, the worst thing you can do is try to lean so far the other way, <laughs> and like, talk about how astute she is. Or how said in his tweet.
0: It's really like oh, I'm really worried, man. It's <laughs> like it's like it's not like oh he has some favorites or it's like this guy has. Has real issues.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think when he, whenever he tweeted like last month or whatever, he was just like, "I've spent the evening watching Daphne from TNA and WCW." It's like you spent an evening watching Daphne. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I mean, I do understand, but <laughs> it's sad. I don't, I don't know, man. Right. I just think. I just think. Maybe maybe take. I don't know. <laughs> just
0: yeah. Take a few plays off.
1: I think you're. I think as long you're what you acknowledge it.
0: <laughs> oh not- sure, I realize that there's a problem with it.
1: You you leaned into it enough that you know it's practically a gimmick at this point.
0: Sure. I also you know am not you know don't have 1.5 million Twitter followers or whatever and shouldn't probably have someone that I should run my stuff by before I. <laughs> before i speak it to a public a large public audience like that
1: right and you know you're also not maybe inciting people that follow you to also comment on things they like about the woman you're praising (laughs) for being so astute
0: nope sure not
1: all right well once again i feel we've said too much (laughs) yes
2: i try to keep on keeping on